Welcome to Rain City Supercars. As always, I'm Nick. I'm Dan, and we're recording live at Drivers Club. Brought to you by Haggerty, Carter Subaru, Rainier Beer, and Avance. I hurt. Yeah? I hurt. You did pretty well, though. <laughs> I did. I'm getting better at, at wake surfing. Thank, yeah. thank God we know all these people with boats. <laughs> yeah, thank, thank God you moved on to a lake. Yeah, it doesn't hurt. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm hurting, well, from, hurts, I'm hurting from K1 speed. Like, yeah. Um, Happy birthday, Brandon. Yeah. Brandon's friends don't play nice on the track. <laughs> Mother. Jesus. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. If we took a nice, fun beating over the weekend, it was great. Oh, though. did you take a fun beating? I'm sorry. <laughs> Just ran me off the track. Bumped to pass. Fucker. Yeah. Rubbin's <laughs> racing. Didn't bump to pass. Okay. <laughs> Oh boy! So what didn't happen? Uh, well, our Carter Subaru tip of the week. We'll uh, talk about what didn't happen on the track, and that was uh, people using their brakes. Um, we've covered brakes a lot, but I wanted to talk about a myth that I hear a lot, and that's about brake lines and stainless brake lines. So back in the day, uh, the the big marketing hype around sta- stainless brake lines that they still use, which totally isn't true anymore, is that uh, your rubber your rubber brake lines will expand a lot under heat. Well, that's really not true. Um, they're reinforced with PVA or polyvinyl alcohol or aramid fiber Kevlar. So the expansion on a rubber brake line in any modern car is virtually non-existent, even in like extreme use cases. What we use stainless steel braided lines for in a functional case is actually the most time is racing, but it's not what you think of. It's typically off-road stuff where you can get debris and stuff that'll actually penetrate your brake lines and wear down that rubber. Um, so think of it like, uh, if, or if you do a lot of gravel road travel, you might actually see some benefit there, but you won't see an expansion benefit like they used to talk about. Like that's like maybe formula one, <laughs> that kind of stuff where your boy, your boiling point levels are insane, but on a, any modern car, even on a track, it's just that that's not really there. Um, one good reason to use them though. Um, well, one, they look better. So if you got a motorcycle or whatever, <laughs> they look cool. I was say on a bike. Yeah. Yeah. It looks cool. Um, if you're in a position to be able to see your brake lines while the car's on top of you, you got bigger problems. Right. Exactly. And, yeah. um, there's actually, there are some disadvantages. One, the, the rubber shielding that they put over stainless lines, you get that clear stuff that actually does wear off over time and it yellows on almost all of them, uh, over time. You'll see it a lot on motorcycles, especially cause they're exposed to UV a lot more. But uh, it, when that stuff breaks off, that, that stainless steel sheathing under there actually come, becomes abrasive to whatever components it's rubbing against, including the rubber bushing that is holding it to the suspension. Uh, that sounds safe. Yeah. It, it does wear some stuff over time. But also, uh, they're not that easy to inspect. If you do get a kink in a stainless line or a crush, they actually, you know, because they're a stainless shielding, they can kink and they can actually damage the inside of the liner, which is Teflon, and you can get like a slow leak through your line. Not real common. <laughs> Pretty pretty uncommon stuff these days on a streetcar, but just so you guys know, it is pretty much about hype unless you're doing a bunch of off-road stuff these days. But if you're an off-roader, highly recommend them uh, because you'll take a lot of stones to them. See, I expand with heat too, so I'm not fat. I'm just hot. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> the it. same thing. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I wanted to give a quick over saying this break lens. I had a conversation with somebody else on a mor- motorcycle guys back in the day. I was talking about it, so... Yeah, that's your little rundown on stainless brake lines and your Carter Subaru tip of the week. Uh, buy them if you want them, but uh, don't expect some massive gain. In fact, when it comes to your brake system, they're probably the least important thing to upgrade on any car. Yeah, you can boiler fluid anyway. Yeah, you can boiler fluid with rubber lines. No problem. <laughs> I have no negative effects on the brake lines. I've, we've done Do it many times. you steel lines on the Corvette? Nope. No. Okay. I ha- you know, actually, take it back. I had them. I never installed them. They came with a kit. Uh, when I did uh, brake fluid, I ordered them, and I just never put them on. I did have them on my C6. I just never did it on the C7. I just sold them when I sold the car. Yeah. Yeah. Like you still think we need to do a brake upgrade on the Maserati? Yes, we do. Like at least pads. 
Yeah, they're really hard to find for that, actually. I know. Yeah, I think I they use a standard GT caliber. So, like, a lot of Italian cars use what's called a, a GT caliper, the, the caliper that fits, like, a thousand different cars, and you just p- find the right pad, and that works. But anyway, that's a different What topic. could go wrong if we find the wrong one, though? It's fine. Right? Totally. <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. a little Heavy Italian car. Paperweight. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, we have a fun show today. Uh, I should probably... <laughs> Probably add a little disclaimer to this one before we get started that we might, you guys might notice a parental advisory explicit content on this one. We don't like to filter our guests. Uh, we like people to talk freely. Uh, I love the audiobook. Uh, I wanted to tell you guys I was listening to that this week on the way here. And for that, I'm excited for this episode. Can I get another beer? This is, of course you can. <laughs> I told you he was going to need like 17 of them. Yeah. Like, have you seen him? He's 17. Six, seven. He's, he's a big large. dude. He's large. He's a big dude, yeah. Dude, I've got yeah. the liver of like a nine-year-old girl. I'm two more beers. You know, I'm I haven't gotten. spent a lot of time around nine-year-old girls or their livers. Please go into that. <laughs> oh, I'm a parent. Oh, okay. <laughs> that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm getting the like, kids I don't drunk, know if that makes it yeah. better. Like, yeah. yeah Daddy drinks as much weird. as I can. Um, okay. Like, <laughs> How do you know? Well, yeah. we prove it. Yeah, exactly. I should probably introduce our guest. Oh, we've started yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Matthew Griffin or Griff and uh, Andy Surrey, uh, they are the co-founders. There's a third person not here of Combat Flip Flops, which um, you found them. Well, sort of. Uh, oh, no, Sam did. Yeah, Sam Work is actually a, a, a mutual friend of ours. And Acquaintance. <laughs> good guy, uh, car guy. Uh, if you guys are in the Avance community, I'm sure everybody, a lot of people know Sam. Everybody knows Sam around here. And then it so happened I moved over to this side. I was getting coffee, and I saw a barista there with some combat flip-flops on. And I was like, hey, nice flip-flops. Because he was looking at her feet. You, everybody <laughs> looks at everybody's feet. Nobody wants to admit it. Yeah, my eyes are up here, by the way. Hey, man, thank you. You got some work to do down well, I know I do. Yeah, That's why they're covered up right now. Thank well, you. Well, she says, hey, I, I know those something guys. to fix that. <laughs> it's like ADD on this side of the room over here. <laughs> you invited me. I know. <laughs> he's, not talking about, he's not talking about you. Yeah. No, I'm not. Yeah. But uh, she says, hey, I know those guys. And I said, I'd love to talk to them because I like their product. And I think it's a really cool thing they're doing. I'd love to have them on the show. And here we are. Welcome to the show, guys. Well, thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. Yeah, that's a really cra- cool spot to do a podcast. I've never done a podcast in such a cooler spot. So, yeah, Drivers Club is quite the setting for everything. <laughs> so, it's a good unifier. Yes, it it's, is. it's amazing. Yeah. The pe- people I brought here that have no car, don't, they, they hate cars, and they'll just sort of stand and stare because they don't quite understand everything. Especially when you're looking out here and you're looking at, you know, Porsches, and then there's an F1, Ferrari F1 car sitting out there. It's like, okay, it's a little bit different. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, so Combat Flip Flops, uh, the name itself is funny and fun, and it does a great job of marketing it. But you guys have been, you're more than just a small startup. You guys have been on uh, Shark Tank. You guys have got, like I said, the audio book, the, the book itself, obviously, in an audio book that you voiced yourself, right, Griff? Yeah, I did that. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah we, That's we, why it put me to sleep. Mm. <laughs> there it is. Okay. Yeah. 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 You're my least favorite person in this podcast right now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love you just as much. <laughs> exactly. I see how, what you're doing. How quickly the hate comes out. I see what you're <laughs> exactly. doing. Yeah. Somebody has to aggravate you. Bring out the real you. But Don't make me get the helium. That would be Lee, who's not here. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, then, I'm, then I'll be Lee, I guess. At least hungover yeah. right now. No. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> you guys drink? That's such a big surprise to me. We're actually... We're not, <laughs> not, only two of you are... I mean, we're not actually no, drinking did you t- did you hear why he's not drinking? No. Because he's got a photo shoot. Oh. Yeah, what? We're, yeah, we're re- yeah. what? Yeah, the whole team's getting shredded. All of us. When? 
uh, October. <laughs> You're not drinking because of something in October? Oh, yeah. It's August, bro. Yeah, dude. I'm, 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 I'm going down. I'm going to be the lightest I've been since high school. I'm be skinny. <laughs> no more of those nine-year-old livers. Oh, this is, the, this is that photo shoot. Yeah. I think you should take it the other way. Yeah. <laughs> That's I mean, what I said. about Ranger panties. That's all we're going to Ranger panties <laughs> and flip-flops. That's Dude, what the whole website's going to be. if you wait until the photo shoot to drink, you're going to drink at the photo shoot, and it's going to be a nude photo shoot, which would be far <laughs> better if you started drinking now. No. <laughs> I believe the phrase that stood out to me was he's going to eat Krispy Kremes that day, and that will make his veins pop out, so he'll be yeah, shredded. Yeah, the whole team, yeah. We're yeah. Be veiny. Oh, man, it's going to be a mess. It's yeah. going, you know how this you're ends You're going to be a walking maple bar. You remember, <laughs> you remember how it ended up last year after we got done? I have my lean. I like that term, I walking have my maple bar. Yes. <laughs> huh. Yeah. So, so cars. Yes. Right. Flip flops. Yeah. Flip flops and a lot of other stuff because you guys do more than just flip flops. Uh, I'm wearing a shirt, the Shimags. I mean, tell us how this content. I mean, for people who didn't see the Shark Tank episode or read the book, how did you guys get started in combat flip flops? Yeah. What so is combat flip flops? Give us the five minute. It is a oxymoron of a flip flop company. <laughs> yeah. Uh, long story. I was in the army. Uh, I was an army ranger. I did a couple tours overseas in Afghanistan. I did the whole like sliding out of helicopters and snatching bad dudes in the middle of the night. And that was super fun for a period of time. Uh, I got out after I saw the futility of it. It wasn't really getting any better and didn't think it was going to get better. And that was in 2006. And hey, lo and behold, I was right. You know, <laughs> 14 years later. Who could have known? Who could have in the Middle East? That? Yeah, weird, right? <laughs> That'll stop any day now. Uh, ended up going back to Afghanistan in 2008, 9, 10. I was working for a medical company, and I just saw how the area is flourishing with small business because I don't like getting blown up. We're the safest. <laughs> yeah. And so I would, you know, go and I would stay at the local places surrounded like the grocery stores or the restaurants, and I'd have all the local guys like drive me around, and I just bringing cash, right? And they just wanted to keep me safe. And I was like, man, we should, why aren't we doing more of this as a country? Why aren't we having more small businesses in these areas instead of just continuing to send like MRAPs and B-1 bombers? <laughs> um, I was at a, a military convention and like I'm an officer, right? And mm -hmm. these military conventions are all like the old sergeant majors, all the enlisted guys. And they got their good old boys club and I had long hair and a beard so nobody was talking to me. Lieutenant Dan look. Yeah, Lieutenant yeah. Dan. Yeah, total sure. Lieutenant Dan look. Yeah. Um, and across the way, you know, there was another guy with long hair and a beard. Nobody was talking to him. So we made friends. <laughs> and uh, weird knows weird, right? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, man, I started this combat boot factory because a lot of people don't know this, but the Afghan military was 1,700 people before we went in 2001. And then the United States and the international military built a 340,000 person police force and military. Like, they wow. talk a lot of, like, uniforms and boots and backpacks and all those other things and very similar to how we supply U.S. service members with stuff made in the U.S. So that way we can defend our country internally. They wanted to do that in Afghanistan. So they built all of these Afghan combat boot and uniform manufacturing facilities. And they were baiting these you know, Afghan business owners with billions of dollars of contracts if they built these factories. So they hired American pros. This guy, was uh, his name is John Boyer. He was a former Marine. He went and he flew all over the world. He brought in all this machinery, all the trainers, and he built this beautiful combat boot and uniform factory in Kabul, Afghanistan. And uh, under the, the build, he bought this awesome espresso machine. And if you've ever been to Afghanistan, you either drink tea or Nescafe. Nescafe, yeah. Okay. Right? The nectar of the, the Middle, Middle East, East, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's their slogan. Yeah. 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 Pretty sure. Um, and I was like, man, I was dying for a cup of coffee. He's like, hey, man, why don't you come on by? And, and I walked in that factory, and it you know, changed the direction of, of my life. And unfortunately, we're going to hear from the Wookiee here, <laughs> it changed the direction of his. Uh, 
But, you know, I was just standing in this factory watching 300 people who couldn't read, who couldn't do anything. And they were bringing them off the street. They were teaching them how to read. They were teaching them how to sew. They were teaching them how to run heavy equipment. And they're making a thousand pair of boots a day that could withstand the rigors of Afghanistan, which something American combat boot manufacturers couldn't do for a few years. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, oh, dude, this is super cool. And under the whole, like, I'm a West Point graduate, so I've studied a lot of war over time. And there's the old concept of swords to plowshares. And what, you know, what that means is, like, after the end of the war, people would literally melt down sh- swords to make plows. Sorry, my alarm's going off here. Good. Um, to make plows, to plow the fields, to start farming again. And it's something that happens over time after war. You have to take that military capacity. You look at, like, Ford and all those other guys who are cranking out all those bombers during World War II. And then they transition all of that to, you know, hot rods, right? And... I asked him, hey, what do you got to make when the war ends? And he's like, no, nah, man, we're not going to make anything. Like, we're, we're just going to shut this place down. Everybody's going to go out of work. And I personally, I got super mad. I got furious. You know, all these people are going to be going home, and we're going to take this livelihood that we created for them, and we're going to yank it right out from underneath them. Boy, we haven't done that before over there. Never. <laughs> and uh, on that moment of fury, I looked down on the table, and he had this combat boot sole with a flip-flop thong punched through it. And I was like, oh, combat flip-flop. And like the juxtaposition of the words like went together and it was ugly and it was cool. I was like, man, Americans would buy this shit, right? <laughs> <laughs> Who would be dumb enough to buy that? Yeah, I got yeah, an idea. Yeah, 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 exactly. I, I, I know a whole bunch of buddies, right? So I, yeah. I literally, I grabbed it. I said, hey man, you mind if I run with this? And he's like, yeah, sure. I set it down. I said, I'll see you later. And I got in my car and I drove by my favorite little ice cream stand in Afghanistan because Afghanistan's Islamic, right? So they don't have alcohol. But if you talk really nicely to this one ice cream guy, you can buy ice cream that comes in the shape of a six-pack of Heineken. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds good. Yeah, so yeah. I went back to my hotel, and I wrote down some notes, and I got, you know, in a really good mind state. And then I decided to call my, my ranger buddy, Lee, who I'd serve with. Uh, it was like 2 o'clock in the morning in L.A. And so I decided to I call him. I got an him. idea. Yeah, I got an idea. I'm drunk on ice cream, and I have an idea. Yeah. <laughs> and the last business idea we had was this business called Cafe Racer. And we were going to take, uh, you know, just cool motorcycles. And we were going to figure out how to, way to get a trailer or a sidecar that was an espresso machine. And so that way we could just drive to workplaces and, like, make coffee for people outside. And that was our, our last time yeah. idea. Yeah. Everybody in this room is going, has that been done yet? Because we have some ideas now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sidecar espresso. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That'll never work. Yeah. No. Noted. I'm not writing that down. Just go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just cut me in on it, all yeah, right? Exactly. No problem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> can be cut, exactly. There's a motorcycle right down there. We can start. Yeah. <laughs> and go figure, nobody had ever put those two words together. And like the domain was open for $2.99 on GoDaddy. So he bought it. And uh, we just kind of sat on the idea. As most small business owners, you have the idea. Oh, combat flip flop, not combat cafe racer. I was yeah, like, com- how has somebody not used that name? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so. Yeah, I think we have cafe racer coffee or something. <laughs> okay. We own that domain. So you're going to have to cut us in. Yeah, well, okay. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not that ambitious. Don't worry. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, fast forward. Uh, my sister-in-law was marrying this really tall dude, and I, I showed up, and oddly enough, I'd just gotten in a like, nasty motorcycle wreck on my ST2. You trying to make coffee while you're driving? <laughs> no, I got, I got ran over by a semi-truck. And oh, kind of, yeah. And so I was, one up oh, that one, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, so I was, uh, I, was, I was not in a good mood, and I was on crutches, and I was in a, our motor home and everything else, and I show up, and here's this really tall guy, and he's got all the cousins around him, and he's launching potatoes out of a large potato can into the lake, and all the kids are enthralled, and that's how I met the Wookiee, yes. my brother-in-law. Yeah. <laughs> so caveat, that six-foot potato cannon was given to me by my pastor 
Okay. <laughs> who at the time had a 13-year-old son and was like, I think you need to have this, and just gave it to me. But the thing sounded like a 12-gauge if you had fired it right. So, yeah, that was how I met Griff. He looked at me as not – at that point, I didn't really understand, like, his aversion to things that go bang, given his history – yeah, all that kind of crap. And here's the random dude that his sister-in-law just showed up at the big family who has Shalane. Look, I brought a can. Well, and, and why does he met, keep hitting the ground every time right. we do this? And if we if we met, if we could bring both of his daughters in here, you'd also understand his major concern, where they're just like, you know, projectile weapon by the water, and I'm just gathering kids. Like, come on, guys, and shoot stuff. <laughs> and what could happen? Right. What could yeah. possibly go wrong? And it, that was kind of my introduction to the family. And so while that day was pretty awkward, things improved from there via skiing and snowboarding and a little bit of mountain biking and whatnot. But he didn't actually float the idea of the company to me until the bachelor party trip. So uh. there was a lot of ice You cream. went on a bachelor party were, after you got married? No, it's kind of been like that since. But oh, okay. it's um, yeah. No, no, no. The bachelor yeah. party trip was what? Ten guys in a suburban. We went. I'm yeah. from Montana, so it was a road trip to Montana, and you know, lots of drinking and bachelor Montana. party stuff. Yeah, yeah, Montana guns, all that stuff. Yeah. So I mean, like, we're gonna take a sponsor break here. Yeah. So all I uh, all I showed up with for this thing was I had like the clothes on my back, a bag full of guns, a f- t- like five or ten pound bag of pretzels, and a thirty six pack of Rainier. Correct. Oh, we need yes. to hang out. Yeah. Which yeah, we, that's... Which we, uh, <laughs> yeah, we need to get closer. Um, <laughs> for so many reasons. Yeah. We, we'll bring we the actually, beer. We actually didn't go through the pretzels, which was weird. I thought the, we'd be the first to go. Uh, the rental car company had a really oh, enjoyable yeah. time getting all that out of the car. <laughs> we d- we'll just go there. We dropped this thing off after three days in Montana in November, and there's like pretzel paste ground into... <laughs> Pretty much any surface of the interior of this suburban. <laughs> and I'm dropping this thing off. And this poor kid, he's like 18. You know, it's it's going on Christmas time. He's working the rental place. I show up to six different shades of green, hung over for my bachelor party trip, and give him the thing back. And he opens the door, and he just looks at me. He's like, pretty dirty, man. I, I just looked at him, and I was like, Montana. <laughs> yep. <laughs> he's just kind of throws his hand up. He's like, have a good day. <laughs> That's the end of that. But on that trip, we were going over Lookout Pass. Griff and I were in the far back seat of the thing. The Rainier was gone. At that point, we had gotten into, I think, some Jameson that we had bought in Wallace. And he starts telling me about flip-flops and combat boot factories in Afghanistan and, like, the whole, I got an idea, right? Like, we're... It's, <laughs> it's a great like, the, No, 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 dude, you know, this one's like, going to work. They're like, check it out, check it out, right? Yeah. Like, bang it yeah, on your yeah. leg. Yeah. No, 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 shut you up. Do understand. No, no, you listen to me and all that, and right? And I got this idea. <laughs> Throwing pretzels at you. Listen and, to it's, me. and it's basically like, we're going to make flip-flops in a combat boot factory, and it's called Combat Flip-Flops, and it's in Afghanistan. And I'm like, yeah. Let's do it. That... That makes sense to me. <laughs> I don't and know it, why. It could be it, the guns, the pretzels, or the beer. But it really, the it made more sense the, the less I drank. So, <laughs> <laughs> right? It was one of those where, like, once it actually settled in and what what the point of the whole thing really was, it becomes almost undeniable of, you know, all right, yeah. let's go to these dangerous places and actually give these guys jobs and give them something to do other than shoot each other or shoot us or get mad at us because we didn't give enough money to shoot their guy they didn't like on the other side of the hill or whatever. Like, everybody just wants to work. Yeah. They just want to feed kids. They just want to take care of their shit. 
So why not give them a way to do that? That sounds utterly absurd when you say it out of your mouth. Like, let's go to Afghanistan and make flip-flops in a combat boot factory. You're fucking high. <laughs> that like, was the answer you... for pretty much every investor yeah, from like... 2010 <laughs> to 2014. Right. How yeah. are you going to ensure the shipments? Well, You're we stuck can, with it. You know? Yeah. So, but again, the, the spirit of it all, and there's a lot between then and now that's happened, um, but it's it really is such a good idea, and you know once we've once we got our our head wrapped around how to even make a shoe, like yeah. again remember we're talking about like a ranger officer. I was I had a background in construction, music, and snowboarding. Like for Griffin Lee, who are rangers, if you flip the polar opposite of that, I'm three feet of hair, smoking lots of weed, playing tons of music, snowboarding as much as I can and doing whatever I can for money that'll allow me to keep smoking weed, playing music and snowboarding. <laughs> at this literally So at the this, American dream. Right. Yeah. Literally yeah, okay. at the same <laughs> time that these guys are shooting at people, I'm doing that. Yeah. And actually kind of talking shit about what they do. Right? Yeah. Um, I was we were living like completely divergent lifestyles. And then, you know, through family come together and it's again another unlikely side of all of this and why it works is we've got this whole group of people that are completely different that really do see things differently but focus on something that makes sense and put the other bs aside and go you know what like whatever we look at this differently you look at that differently i love you man that makes sense let's get to work this is great let's yeah. take our first break we're a little overdue for that but there's a uh, more to this story because and i love this story so we're going to keep going when we get right back we spend an average of 8 hours and 41 minutes a day facing screens. Laptops, smartphones, tablets, even digital refrigerators. But what are we really connected to? Isn't it time you connected to something greater? Sometimes the best way to connect is to disconnect. This moment of escape was created by Haggerty. For people who love cars. I was really hoping to get that in there. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. I hit record it just after the good stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. Uh, so we're just talking about uh, starting up a flip-flop factory. In the I hate it when we zone. don't get along with our guests. <laughs> know, right? Exactly. Yeah. You guys are kind of dicks. Yeah. <laughs> I've been called worse by better. Fair so, enough. Yeah. There's much better than me out there, that's for sure. I, I think in the, one, the one thing that I was funny, because we met with these guys before, is, is the way they described you, and it's very on point. But oh, really? It's just very on point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The asshole that just interrupts all the time and says absurd shit to everybody. <laughs> that's, that's, like what they said. That's like, me. Okay. That's me, yeah. <laughs> is that? So, all right, I'll yeah. stop talking now. Okay. <laughs> no, actually, I need you to start talking, because I want to know how this went from the, uh, the bachelor party idea to fruition of actually like, hey, we're going to go to... Afghanistan and try and open a flip flop factory. So, uh, you know, the Wookiee, right? And Star Wars, and like something's going wrong in the ship. He just goes down on the bells and yells and breaks on something. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. it's illegible. And yeah. that's just kind of how it worked. And so it was like Tuesday, and I just shucking my hungover, hangover from his bachelor party. And he shows up. He's like, hey, man, talk to me about this. And so I just started sketching out our first flip flop, the AK 47, like brown and tan. Well, I was like, I want a bullet casing on there. And he's like, all right, all right. And he goes like back, like comes back like two days later. He's like, "Hey man, I learned SketchUp." Oh I'm yeah, like, I was like, "What?" He's like, actually yeah. it was a it was Adobe Illustrator, but yeah, like, yeah. what did you do before before this? 
I was a painting contractor. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Who was like, supposed to go to school for graphic design, but that's a whole other story. And I never. Oh well, yeah, I yeah, yeah. figured. So. And okay. I was like, yeah, that's it, man. And so like, <laughs> why are you in my head? Yeah. Like, how do you know <laughs> this? You touched my soul. With a flip flop. You touched my soul with a flip flop, man. And so, uh, so then it started like becoming a reality. And I just, you know, I'd, I'd done a lot of stuff in the military world and the tactical world, and so I just kind of floated some of these images out on a few people. And they're like, man, that's really good looking. That's a good idea. And so, you know, like most small business owners, somebody gives you a good thumbs up and you're like, yeah, I can do it. And so it was a matter of like, we don't know how to make shoes. And so we called <laughs> Lee, uh, our other business partner, and he used to work and did web design for a shoe manufacturer, like an off-label shoe manufacturer in LA. And so we flew down there and met with these guys. And they're like, yeah, we can make that for you. We just need, you know, a few thousand bucks to get prototypes. And so I sold like a couple of my guns that I grew up with. And then I sold, I think I had like a, a Honda CB750 that I put in a, a bobber frame. Um, cool. Wow. Yeah, and I, I had it. I was getting it ready for paint and everything else like that. But it was like one of those projects that sat in the garage for a while. It was one of my deployment projects I bought with deployment dollars. And I was like, I'll just sell it. And I came up with enough cash, and you know, we floated these guys the stuff. And Andy worked with them on a couple models. And next thing you know, we had like nine flip flops sitting on my counter. A couple months later, and I was like, Holy crap, this is real. Like, it's a real thing. And so, like, <laughs> we just did the whole, like, standard take photos of it and point arrows at everything. I like this on this one. I like that shape. And Andy, like, did his Wookiee thing, and he, like, mashed it all together. And he sent That's all the, the first time he's used your first name, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> when he first said that, I'm like, who the fuck is Andy? Andy, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck you're talking okay, about. Okay, I got it. Yeah, it's a plausible deniability. Okay, understood. <laughs> and so, yeah. uh, so then, like, next thing you know, like, a couple months later after that, we had, like, nine more pair of flip-flops, but they were all like the photo samples. And I just like took some photos of my iPhone and we built a Facebook page and floated them out to a couple of people. And all of a sudden it was like, crap, like people dig this. It's yeah. really rad. And so I'm like, all right, let's see. So I had a old like 56. It was like the first fiberglass, all fiberglass boat ever made. Uh, it was made in, you know, the Gulf down there. So it was built and they hauled it out of a field somewhere up in Snohomish and, you know, put some motors on it and everything else like that. It was my crabbing and salmon boat. It was a really cool looking old boat with cool lines. And so I sold that. I had another motorcycle. I think I parted out and sold. And like, now we had enough money to buy. How many? Did we buy like 200? Oh, the, 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 the seed pairs? The seed pairs. 150, something like that, pre-shot yeah. show. Yeah. In 20, what? 10, 2011? 2011. So it was yeah. December 2011. He's got to, you have to imagine, like, he's a really good pool player, right? He's got that reach. He could reach across the table and hit any shot. And so he's got a pool table in the middle of his living room. And we walk in before Christmas, and there's, like, flip-flops everywhere. Like, yeah. Holy crap. Plethora. Plethora. Yeah. And so, uh, so you know, we were just like, all right, crap, what are we going to do? Like, well, there's two major shows that we could go to with all the bloggers that we would need to talk to to post about our stuff to get people to buy it from our website. And so we... Loaded a backpack and do what you're not supposed to do at trade shows. And we backpacked a trade show. We went down to the SHOT Show in Las Vegas. That's that's fun. All right. So we got to pause here because okay. we didn't actually backpack the trade show. We backpacked every bar outside that trade show. Oh, yeah. That was a good idea. That's actually genius, though, because yeah, everybody's yeah. outside drinking. Our, our booth, we'd just go into it. You know, we'd pick a bar and grab the manager and be like, dude, like, we're going to take that table for like four hours. Yeah. And we were just finding anybody we could talk to and then buying them drinks there. So we weren't crossing any lines. Cause Griff's already friends with most of the people that are legit in the trade show anyway, at most of the different booths and the different companies. And he had all that connection. So we just kind of hung out outside and drank a lot, talked about flip flops and it sort of worked. Yeah. We'll back up. Like we, we called Lee like three days before him. We're like, Hey man, is the website ready? He's like, what? 
<laughs> for what? For what? Like yeah. a hammer? <laughs> was I building a website? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. so sick props to Lee, like literally right now. Because when we when we got going in at shot, we had one particular dealer that Griff will probably get into that this Australian guy that came in. He's like, I want a thousand pair, and I want all this, and I want all that, and all shit. And we were just like, we're selling shit. And Griff calls Lee and is like, we need the, the website like now. Yeah. And he pulled it off in what twenty hours? Yeah. Like it was like a day. Jeez. Red Bull and coding. Where, and where were, you were you were having a made stateside at this point, right? There, no. They had had production over in Afghanistan. We hadn't made anything yet. Oh, we but, made no, samples. The, sam- <laughs> the samples were made. Here. Yeah. Okay, yeah. No, 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 no. The samples are made in China, right? Because okay. Afghanistan doesn't have like tooling right. factories, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they okay. don't have rubber trees sense. and all those other things. And so we could actually buy the tooling to ship to Afghanistan to make Got it there. Okay. So we never produced anything. No, we we made 150 pairs of samples that cost us, you know a lot of money and people liked the idea of what we were going to do. And we had the factory lined up to do what we were going to do and it proof of concept and all that, but we hadn't actually taken orders, produced product in a war zone, delivered product <laughs> from a war zone. Just that little thing about producing in a war zone. Yeah. Sorry. Actually, but then you're also sourcing materials from outside the war zone. So you, you, you'll hear about this like then. Um, vertical manufacturing. Yeah. Right? We we couldn't have been more horizontal. <laughs> okay. We had a factory in a war zone that had no raw materials. So we were going outside a war zone to get raw materials, to get them into a war zone, to put them together, to get them back out of the war zone, to sell halfway around the world on the other side. Like, we're shipping this stuff like four times. It can't be we, easy to get shit in well, there either. So, it? again... Yeah. We don't know anything about manufacturing and making shoes. We just thought, let's make shit in a war zone. But so fail number one. <laughs> you know, we horizontal do. sucks, right? Yeah. Like fail number one is horizontal sucks. Um, but yeah, I'm probably jumping ahead a bit. Yeah. So, um, so we're at this trade show. We consumed a lot of alcohol. The bloggers were like posting on it from the show, and next thing you know, our websites like start selling product. Like, Crap! Like we got a company. We're, we <laughs> we got don't have made. shoes to sell. And, yeah. and luckily, like the factory manager who actually managed that factory, like traveled to Vegas for that show. So we're like, "Hey, man, we 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 have an order for you." He's like, "What?" And he's like, "Look, man, all of our government contracts just got pulled. Like they're ending the war. They're killing everything. So everything we were trying to prevent happening to keep this factory from closing." was happening like right underneath our feet, like with all this customer's money on the table. And we're, he's like, I'll do one run for you and then we're done. We're like, okay, if we just pulled it off once. Like we're good. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out, right? <laughs> like seven times. Yeah, we're, we're fine. And so that was uh, January, 2012. Uh, we came home, we got busy and he did his bookie thing and like sent purchase orders and graphic design and talked to factories and everything else like that. Meanwhile, I'm just like, blogging on Facebook and Instagram and doing all the other stuff that is just irrelevant. And when uh, Rangers retire. Yeah. <laughs> and so we, you know, we thought like we were just doing the math on our head. And back then, like I was a little bit more optimistic than I am now. I was like, all right, well, you know, we, we, we get all the order material to have the stuff done and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we can give a June delivery. So that's what we put on the website. It's like, Hey, you buy these now in January, you'll get them in June. Um, yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> not so much. Not so much. Yeah, yeah so uh, June delivery turned into July, turned into August, and finally we're like, oh, my God. Like, we're writing emails to our customers all the time, like, hey, this stuff's late, this stuff's late, this stuff's late. 
And then we're building in a freaking war zone. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> like the there was a cross border shooting between Afghanistan and Pakistan uh, right around the same time we were selling all this stuff and. Uh, some Pakistani guys shot at some Americans and so some Americans shot back and it didn't end up well. And so they ended up closing the entire border for Afghanistan and Pakistan. So Karachi is the port that goes into through Pakistan into Afghanistan to supply the entire DOD. And that border got shut down for like nine months. So it was like a $10,000 air bill to move the product from Asia to Afghanistan to manufacture it. And we were not as aware of quality assurance and double checking everything before manufacturing uh, mistake number two. And, uh, Andy and I were getting so frustrated. We're like, all right, man, let's just go to Afghanistan. So we went down to that, um, that military surplus store down by the depot on first Avenue in mm-hmm. Seattle by the Starbucks headquarters. Oh, yeah. yeah. the old and, one. Yeah. And we got as many duffel bags as we possibly could and team round trip tickets to Kabul. And we flew there. <laughs> now you can imagine. Problem like, solved. Problem I mean, solved. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I called a special forces buddy of mine. He's like, hey, man, I need a good interpreter. You can keep us safe. Like, and this guy, M, uh, you know, we're just like, we get a photo and like, hey, here's what he looks like. A couple of Facebook messages from the guy. And we show up in Afghanistan and we like go through the airport. We're standing in the parking lot and like, here he is, right? And we hop in this beat up old Toyota Corolla, shove an Andean shotgun. You know, it's, we're just, you know, bouncing through. And uh, we, you know, did a few other things and we, you know, we got there. We knew the factory was going to close down. We ended up getting up one morning, going to pick up our stuff. And there's like in this old Afghan, you know, kind of compound, this door slides open. Like the little guy like looks through the gate, holding an AK and like lets us in. And then we go in there and, you know, the old guys are in there and they're talking to us. And then they- You're are, used to this shit though. He's not, right? Yeah, he'd been to like what? I've been, to, I've been to El Salvador and Canada. And, oh, Canada, yeah. <laughs> and, and Canada, That's a big can, comparison. Canada was fucking terrifying. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're rough up there. What a boot it was bad. Yeah, yeah dude. Like, <laughs> I don't know. If anybody's that nice to me, there's like something what horribly do you want? wrong yeah. going on. Yeah. Um, no, it was, Afghanistan was super cool. It was weird. Like, don't get me wrong. It was completely weird. But I think Griff can attest to my, my affinity for weird. Yeah. Yeah, he loves um, weird. Yeah, be quite the don't ask. You don't want to surf through his uh, browsing history. It was, uh, no, <laughs> was you. Yeah, no. I, don't look at me, dude. You look like you just this look of wanting right now. <laughs> it's a need, <laughs> not a want. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they, you inspired my imagination. <laughs> so the guy opens the door, holding a K forty seven in a factory, and we, when we pull in, and there's this dog running around and everything else like that, and they lead us over to the the one building in the the compound facility. It's the warehouse, and they slide the door, and it's picturesque. You just got the high windows from manufacturing facility, and there's like beams of light shooting through the dust, and like there in the center of this room, all there is is like a couple thousand pair of flip flops, and we've had this really cool idea that only anybody thinks. The thing only anybody thinks comes out of Afghanistan is opium. So, like, let's pack them in opium bags. I'm taking credit for this one, by the way. Yeah. Like, the old pothead was just like, yeah, dude. Drugs. We got to make these look like drugs. Yeah. Because, yeah. our, well, our logo at the time was Custom an opium poppy. That. Oh. Like, it was. The old outsole was an opium poppy. So, it was like, let's put them in opium bags with a big old poppy on them. Yeah. It's serious. <laughs> why not? Like you didn't right? need another like, delay with customs. Yeah. 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 Right. Like, I swear they're flip flops. 
So uh, jokes on you, bro. Yeah, yeah. So we walk in. The dog starts consuming a rat that's over there in the corner of the building, oh, like nomming on it. And we're like, we're like just victory, right? We're taking photos and high five and everything else like that. I'm like, crap. There's no way this is all gonna fit in the Corolla. <laughs> not with him. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, not at all. So you know, our driver called and he called his buddy. He's got one of the call them bongo trucks. They're just a flat cargo truck with a flatbed on the back. Yeah. And, and here we are loading all these opium bags in the back of the freaking bongo <laughs> truck. And then we get in and we just roll out of the compound. And here we are rolling through downtown Kabul. And we're like, fuck it, we're gonna ride in the back of this truck on top of the on top of the opium. So here you have two white guys in the back of a truck riding on what looks like three to 5,000 pounds of opium. <laughs> literally. literally I, so again, I'm raised this in Montana. This sounds like two moving targets he's, to me. He's like, from Iowa. I'm from Montana. And that stuff all went in that truck. And I was like, I'm fucking riding on that. And just like climbed on it. And this Afghan dude looks at me just like, right on, gringo. And he's just like, okay. And Griff, Griff jumps in there and the photographer jumps in there. And yeah, then it didn't really make sense that Oh yeah, we're the two like basically fancy looking gringos riding on what looks like a whole bunch of drugs like assholes down Jalalabad Road through the middle of everything with like dudes on motorcycles yelling at us and flipping us off and all this they were like, they were like what are you guys even doing? Except for the dudes in the jingle truck that were like yes. Bollywood raving next to us or whatever. It's, going it's actually on. Like, it's actually in the book. And yeah. this is like one of my favorite scenes from this trip and I can close my eyes and see there we just you know, cruise out of the compound. They shut the gate behind us. We bang a left. And all of a sudden we start hearing this like Pakistani techno. And we're like, oh, this is a good beat. Right. And, <laughs> and you get, you're already the, feeling good. Yeah. I'm feeling yeah, great. Yeah. Right. And the, there's this huge pothole road and they have the jingle trucks there. If you're familiar with it, but they take these huge Russian cargo truck four by four things and they hang all these like little chains and danglies off them and they oh, peep yeah, flowers seen, all over. Yeah, yeah. Of them, yeah. And they're really cool. And here's one coming at us. And the thing is just like swang and all these potholes and things like 20 feet tall. And it's just articulating like five or six feet. And there's four dudes like crammed in the front seat of this thing. And they're just like, just jamming out next, you know, like we're like jamming, listening to their music and they look over at us and just like jaw drop. Like it's the oddest scene in the entire world. <laughs> the white Scarface, guys, right? yeah, American yeah. Scarface there's, here. There's yeah. seven people that had one of those little moments that are the reason why world peace can happen. It's just really like it all boils down to that moment. You bonded right in that moment. Absolutely yeah. nothing else mattered. It was yeah. just like, yeah, you guys are weird. You're weird. Everybody's weird. Let's just get down. Okay. Yeah. So you pick up all these flip-flops, but uh, you were saying quality control wasn't quite there. So, um, you know, guys like to stare at things. Like, you guys have cars, right? Yeah. You buy a nice new car, or you put steel brake lines on your stuff, and you want to get underneath your car and stare at them. Yeah. Right? And when your wife doesn't know, you get up in the middle of the night, and you get on there and just stare yeah, at sleep them. Sleep with it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sitting. So, uh, I heard something. Go away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> so, you know, it's like three in the morning. Our time schedule's all screwed up because it's 11 and a half hours off. Afghanistan's 11 and a half hours off. Not yeah. 12. <laughs> 11 and not half. 11. It's 11 and Why a half. Why does that not yeah. surprise right, so you just, India's like, same way. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I just wake up in the middle of the night, and I'm just down there, like, staring at the flip-flops and the bags, and then next thing you know, the door opens, and Andy comes down to stare at him. We're like, oh, you know, we're both up. I might as well, like, get a Nest Cafe and start working. <laughs> and so we start cutting them open, and um, they're all bad. Like, Andy can talk about it, but it was like... Yeah, it was It was one of those moments where we, we busted them open, and, and there's... I think you probably picked it up at this point. Like, the, the easy way to describe this is Griff sells the stuff, and I make the stuff. Right. Right. Um, the genesis of the company came from his ideas, the synergy of like the whole team, Griff Lee and myself actually produce these products. But once we say this is a product, it's in my lane and I'm 
that guy. Yeah. So I'm the dude that be in one of these cars sitting out here looking at the stitching on the bottom of the front of the seat, making sure that like it's the way it was yeah. supposed to be. The salesman's not worried about that. I am. We're busting this stuff open, and I'm immediately checking my shit out, right? Yeah, and like, I am concerned. And it, well, I'm just looking at it like, okay, the samples were great, but they made these things, and it's like literally like the first one, like alarm, like like that kind of thing in your brain, just like not right, not right, not right. And you start looking deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And we had effectively material problems that the, the factory in Afghanistan had no idea about, wouldn't have really known to check. They had a classic switch done on them where it was quoted and shown one thing. Yep. They did a good job putting them together. They did a good job building them. And all, but all of a sudden we have not what we ordered, not what we spec, not what we photographed, not what we sold the customer. And we're in Afghanistan and you, you know, like when Griff's wife, my wife that we talked to, like they all thought somebody died. Like we were beyond depressed about what had actually gone down at that point. It was brutal. But, um, and we smoked like a half a pack of cigarettes in about 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah. did that we, solve uh, the problem? No. Oh, not at all. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but it was soothing for 20 minutes in a weird way, but yeah, <laughs> like, and the headache that ensued was distracting. So that was good. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we just were kind of in that problem solving mode of like, doesn't, is this stuff insured? No. All the answers were no. Like, can we insure it now? You're, no, you're, you're screwed. You're screwed. You're screwed. You're screwed. You're screwed. And we had at that point known that the factory that we were working with was going to be no more. And it needs to be known. Like they absolutely 100% stood behind their stuff. Yeah. They looked at it and were like, yep. You know, this is not right. We had every dollar of that order in our bank account within 48 hours. Wow. That's impressive. That would not have happened in America. No. Like somebody to point at the finger, blame somebody, something else, whatever. These guys were like, bullshit's bullshit, man. Like, we're really sorry. And like, I don't, I don't know how else to put it other than that is like, when people hear this story and like, oh, the, you know, the Afghans screwed it up. No, the Afghans had our back. Yeah. Their suppliers hosed them. And from a standpoint of honor, those guys absolutely stepped to the table. It was amazing. That's impressive. Yeah. It was That's really, great. really cool. And then from there, we were already planning on looking for other factories there. And, you know, that was like literally the next day. No, it was, it was that day. Was it that day? It was that day. Yeah, so we had to like, like middle of the night. You guys had this conversation and that day. No, it, that day we were rolling yeah. north. So no, no, no. That day we were going over to the to the next factory where they were making the samples. Yeah, so we had Andy had already called ahead and had like some material sent over and everything else, and so we show up in this factory who was one of the other big combat boot factories, and they'd already lost their contracts and shut down, and so we roll over there, and it's this really well known Afghan family, huge facility, probably the biggest one in Afghanistan. You could have parked seven forty sevens multiple in their compound. It was just massive wow. facility. Yeah, it was cars to drive around the facility. It was real big. Wow. Yeah, huge. And uh, so we sat down and like made flip-flops for a day. And they're like, all right, hey, we can make them. We're going to make you samples. And so we sat there and we saw how they glued them together. We saw how they stitched them. We tried to stitch our own. We were all over the place. There was an amount of shit talking between, you know, Americans and Afghans because they were way better at making the stuff than us. And they just sat there and made fun of us and point and <laughs> laughed. Right. right? And, we, and we knew it. You know, yeah. it's, it's yeah. fine. Um so, you know, we did that and, you know, we talked with the, the owner, had a great meal, and then we, we left. And uh, I think they wanted like 20,000 pair as a minimum order. 
No, because it just wasn't worth it for them to turn on the yeah. machinery unless it was that. And But it was really telling of what was happening in that factory because when you walked in, I mean, the sewing floor would probably be the size of this garage and it was just lined end to end with sewing machines and tables that were just covered in plastic. And each one of those things used to have somebody providing for their family. They used to run that machine and that was gone. Yeah. Usually yeah. running two shifts. Yeah. You know, hundreds of machines. And it was over, right? All, everything we had promised them, all the livelihood that we created was just gone. Not what you promised them. But you're saying, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, yeah. As Americans. Not right? combat yeah. flip-flops. As, yeah. Yeah. as okay. Americans, yeah. we okay. should yeah. all take ownership <laughs> here. Yeah. And, a couple and, of dicks. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And uh, so, you know, we rolled out of that factory kind of disheartened. Um, long story, we, we got to take a really badass road trip up to the Panjshir Valley. Uh, the National Hero of Afghanistan, Ahmad Shah Massoud, his family heard about what we were doing. They invited us up. Uh, so we got to go, and it was on his martyr day, September 9th, uh, 2001. A lot of people don't know this, but that was the first suicide bombing in Afghanistan. So bin Laden actually killed him because he knew if Massoud was alive when the Americans came, Massoud would run him down and snatch him post-haste wow so they yeah they sent in a camera crew with a bomb in the camera and they blew him up and but we got to actually got to go to his memorial we got to meet his family we got to go sit in his garden it was really cool so it was a really surreal moment for us because we were all depressed about losing thousands of flip-flops and they lost thousands of people right and so it was you know we came out of that uh that next day with a you know a little bit more perspective and as soon as we cleared the valley and the opening my cell phone rang and a guy named Walt Koenig from the US Department of Commerce called me he's like hey man i found you guys another factory and this is where it gets exceptionally wild i, I think Andy can talk a little bit about the ride but <laughs> oh jesus that, you're talking about like from the valley to that factory yeah oh shit man okay um so two, so two land cruisers uh huh Four or five people each. Can't remember exactly. I think it was four or five people each. Yeah. Brothers driving. Right. Now envision like your typical Indiana Jones like street market scene. Now Jason Bourne. Jason Slash Indiana Jones, right? Like it's because it's it's way low tech, right? Like street market tents, people selling stuff on hooks, whatever, dirt yeah. roads, potholes the size of Volkswagens, all of that. At least in my car. We're back to that, like, Pakistani rave music. The dude was into it. <laughs> and we hit this street market, and basically we had to get from point A to point B, and these two start racing <laughs> in these things. And we're going somewhere between 30 and 50 miles an hour through a packed, like, Pike's Place market with potholes and dirt and people and kids and the whole thing. And... And great music. Great music. And <laughs> like both hands on the roof of the thing trying, like my back was tore down at the end of all of this when we get done with it. But it was 15 or 20 minutes of just, I don't know how many people were going to kill along the way. <laughs> if any of them are going to be us. But you guys were like sleeping in your car. Yeah. We got really big that morning. I don't know how. Yeah. yeah dude, <laughs> I don't know. And on top of it, I've got this Afghan kid in the back who speaks Farsi and a pretty good amount of Russian. We're with a gal who was one of our photographers, really pretty blonde girl, who actually had a voice like Adele. 
all of a sudden she starts singing. I just turned around like, what the fuck are you here? Like, why aren't you somewhere doing that? Like, holy shit, girl. She starts singing. Well, this Do you guy, know how dangerous this is? This, this Afghan kid gets jealous and, and has been trying to figure out how to flirt with her. And it obviously the light went on is like, I'm actually a freestyle rapper. And he starts freestyle rapping between Farsi, English, and Russian in the back seat while we're doing all this to the beat of the weird Pakistani rave music. It was pure insanity, man. Like at that 15 minutes, you just literally, I could not have planned it. And I'm a pretty creative cat. There's no way I could have planned that. Yeah. Like absolutely none. But we roll up into this factory and these guys are all showing, you know, nice Armani suits. It's like a well-funded, nice Afghan factory. And we're in like jeans and t-shirts coming off of like two days in the Pangier. Yeah. And I'm cleaning out my shorts from that ride. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, it was, a, and this was the last full day that we were in Afghanistan. So trying to figure this out and these guys give us the full tour of the factory. They want to work with us, present us with the meal, the whole thing. We've got a deal. Basically they really weren't worried about minimums at that point. They still had a contract so they could slide us in on, on their oh, okay, production. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, of course, things went horribly wrong. Yeah, so that was... <laughs> and then uh, it all went wrong. And then the dam broke. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, so that was September 10th. Oh. Um, so we flew home, got home the 11th, and then we were planning, okay, Andy's doing his bookie thing. He's, like, you know, sending all the designs and the materials and everything else like that, and we're talking to him for months, and it was right around... Thanksgiving, I think, right first week. It was between Thanksgiving and Christmas. This Thanks, is two thousand. Yeah. This is two thousand twelve. Twelve. No, it's right? late. No, it's late two thousand eleven. Um, okay. No, it's twelve because we launched in January twenty twelve. Okay. No, you're right. You're yeah, right. it was going into twelve. So, um, like, we're calling the factory, and all of a sudden they're going dead. Like they're not answering. So I knew that the the factory manager who met with us, like the the head gringo, had a all investor call at a certain time of night on Skype. So like, I'm just going to stay up. I know he's going to be on his Skype. He can't ignore me. And so I just started texting him over and over and over in the middle of that meeting. I'm really, I'm a nag. There's a joke in my company, like nagging as a form of leadership. And so I just nagging this guy (laughs) during the, during the meeting. He's like, Hey man, I'll I'll call you afterwards. And they said, Hey, basically we lost our boot contract. You have to guarantee us 80,000 pair. Oh, Oh. meanwhile, we'd taken all that money that the Afghan factory given us back, bought more materials and the, they had just literally finished him, and they're in the container in the factory in Asia. Was like, "Hey, get this thing off our dock." And the next call we got was from the Afghan factory, the third one that we'd work with, and they said, "Hey, we're, we got to shut down unless you give us eighty thousand pair." And we're like, "Well, sorry." Yeah. So now we're. Did you even have enough material for that? Even if yeah. You, okay. Well, no, no, no for eighty thousand. No, yeah. No, if we'd have had the money, we would have. But yeah, we didn't have but, the money. Uh, but, to, like, I mean, I'm saying yeah. it wasn't feasible. Yeah. 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 It was. It wasn't feasible. Yeah. So we uh, had a very. Very nicotine-filled night with a lot more cigarettes and trying to figure out what we were going to do. And we're like, okay, well, we have a container full of materials. Maybe we can find somebody here to make them, right? So we called every, you know, footwear manufacturer we could find, and either it was too expensive or they didn't have production. But now it's December, and people had bought from us in January. So we're, you know, 11 11 months months with with no delivery. And we're five months late after we told them that we were going to deliver. To our customer's credit, only three people asked for refunds. 
and two people repurchased from us after we actually got production up and running. Like the, they were, this is like an adventure tale, like write your own tale. And we just send out the emails like, Hey guys, here's what happened this week. And they're like, Surprise. Uh, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. You guys are good. Somebody's <laughs> like, these emails would make a good book. They're, write that they're down. just like, I paid 50 bucks and I get all this crazy shit from these guys once a week. Like that's yeah. really <laughs> kind of what happened. Like, <laughs> like that's yeah. the world's most entertaining blog. Exactly. For 50, for 50 bucks. Like maybe that should have been the business model, but, Either way. Yeah. So, um, so you know, Lee's in LA. Andy's still doing paint contracting. I'm still working for this medical company. And so we're on a, I'm sitting at my dining room table. You know, we're on a three-way call and Andy's somewhere in Capitol Hill. And No, I was in, I was, I was a block off of Lake Washington. I'm not going to say the address of the house. But no, Andy can paint exact picture of where he was sitting when he said about what Griff's about yeah. to tell you I said. He's like, Fuck it. I'll make him. Yeah. And we saw him made in that factory and like, again, the Wookiee like gets down under the bells and machine starts banging on stuff. And, uh, you know, we made the call, like we sold the rest of my stuff out of my garage. I had like a 20 by 30 garage. We just gutted the entire thing. We painted the floors lime green. Uh, buddy of ours, Scott Grebke, really cool dude. He worked at a, uh, aviation instrumentation facility around here where they made it and they were moving from like a 40,000 square foot facility to a hundred and 50,000 square foot facility, whatever it was. And he's like, dude, we've got all this old equipment we're just throwing out. You guys might need some of this if you're going to make flip-flops. And him and Andy and his uh, his father, you know, went down to this facility and... We scrapped everything. <clears throat> like 90% of the stuff we needed to make flops, we got out of there. It was, you know, a vacuum pump. We built our own vacuum press. A bunch of lights, tables, shelves, just basic stuff. We had to buy the sander to finish them. And the dust collector. And the dust collector. Like that rig... That's the finishing. We, you know, we bought that for about a thousand bucks, but the rest of it was basically donated. Um, friends donated time, and we had to buy, you know, wire conduit circuitry stuff like that to get the garage up and running. But what over two weeks? Yeah, it basically built a gorilla flip flop factory in four hundred square feet of this garage that Griff had, and had a container with you know three thousand pairs of components coming. So they were cut and stitched, but they weren't assembled. So we had the last to pull them on all the pieces to put it together. You know, I researched a bunch of glue and all that and found like stateside manufacturers, a good contact adhesives and learned how to work all that, which really wasn't that much different than paint technology. So that made sense to me. And then we pull this container up in front of Griff's garage of the first week of February, you know, blast a bottle of champagne on the thing, filled the, the garage and his motor home with boxes of parts your neighbors must have loved you. That was awesome. The, yeah, the motorhome was the warehouse, in quotes. And between, They know I've got a lot of guns. They don't ask questions. Yeah. <laughs> He's unloading something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, and what was it, six months? No, five and a half months, we turned 3,500 pair out of that garage, delivered to everybody, and then immediately went and found a factory in Columbia and said, we're not doing this anymore, but... Um, but yeah, it was it was wild. It was really wild, like figuring all that out. And and just it was one of those points where you either just say, okay, we're going to BK the whole thing, and it's done, you know, yeah, like it failed, we're bankrupting the thing, and we walk away from it, or we're into it this far, yeah. If it fails, like we are riding this thing all the way into the ground. <laughs> yeah, it sounds to me like your sister and your wife is a really understanding woman, being the same woman. But yeah. <laughs> 
Well, it's taking a minute. Oh, no. No, no my, the common my, factor here. No, my, The woman my, that brought you together. <laughs> <laughs> I will say there has been, my wife has had my back in this thing. That's She's awesome. definitely had plenty to say about it along the way, and, and she should. Like, it was yeah. it was nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she's completely down. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great. Let's uh, let's take our second break. When we come back, I mean, you guys are still making stuff in Afghanistan, though. Afghan- the Afghanistan story did not end. No. And uh, we'll talk about that. And more importantly, like a lot of where this money's going to, um, or some of the causes you guys are backing, I should say, is super, super important. It's one of the biggest reasons I had you guys on the show. So we'll be right back. Grandpa, what do you call this thing again? It's a 66 Ford Bronco. I think you got ripped off. Why is that, honey? It's got no Wi-Fi, no USB port, no Bluetooth. Exactly. I guess we'll just have to talk. Sometimes the best way to connect is to disconnect. Is that the window button? It's called a window crank. Cool. The faster I move it, the faster it goes down. This moment of escape was created by Haggerty. Being old is kind of cool, Grandpa. Works for me. For people who love cars. And we're back. <laughs> yeah, push Our that train wreck of a break. <laughs> well, that was, I, All that the good was, ones are. That was actually pretty mild. That was mellow. To most, yes. Mellow yeah. one. Welcome back. All right. So where we left off, uh, flip-flops are now manufactured in Columbia. Yes. 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 They are. But the story, the Afghanistan story didn't end. No. Um, you guys still have the Shamaks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that how you say it? Shema. 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 Oh. The G is silent. I learn. Now you know. You look yeah. lovely in one, Nick. Uh, thank you. Fabulous. <laughs> I Lovely. Mean, thank you. <laughs> Someone snorted. Yeah. Who did that? <laughs> <laughs> what is a schma? It is the duct tape of the Middle East. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you can do anything with it, okay. basically. Yeah. But it is a traditionally a scarf. neck scarf. It's, it's a neck scarf, yeah. head wrap, sun cover, okay. diaper. We discussed that earlier. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. You we'll thought see. I was kidding. No, I didn't think you were kidding. Well, then why, just, did, why did you get shy? Because I didn't get shy. I just, you know, I, my, I have very sensitive skin. And so I need to make sure. It looks very soft, though. Oh, it's buttery smooth. I didn't say It's It's softer than your pants, for sure. What? It's softer than those pants you're wearing. Well, stop looking through my pants. At them. Through them. Continue. Watch out, he'll so touch your soul. Sexual tension on the podcast. <laughs> anyway. <Yeah. laughs> uh, How did those come about, though? So as you can imagine, um, through the story and everything else like that, the social media and the, everything else that came out about it, it just, it just kept going. And so our customers are awesome, and they'd find things in different dealers or places all over. And somebody forwarded a, um, a BBC article to us about this woman named Hasina Sherjan. And she's a lioness, and she is Afghan-born. Her family fled when the Soviets invaded. They came to America. Um, she went to school at Harvard. Her father passed away in the late 90s, and she felt a calling to go home. And she went home, and she heard about this group called the Taliban who weren't letting little girls be educated. And she's like, no, this, this can't be right. So she goes, and she sees that it's true. And she's like, well, this isn't right. I went to school here. Why can't these little girls go to school? So she's like, I want to educate girls. And the Taliban told her no. So she's like, basically, fuck you. Um, I'm going to go do it. It's ballsy to say. Yeah, I'm going to go do it <laughs> yeah. anyway. And so she started in uh, Afghan refugee camps in Pakistan, you know, teaching everything from four-year-old girls to 50-year-old women how to read. And then she was smuggling teachers and books into Afghanistan to run underground schools um, in Afghanistan under the Taliban. And then once... Uh, 2001 happened, you know, she could come back, she could start schools, and she started a program called Aid Afghanistan for Education, 
And she knew that, hey, I'm going to educate these girls. And then these girls are educated and they need a job. So she started a textile factory making like pillows and curtains and things for the the new construction and the buildings and all the contractors that were there. And uh, she had this just great article come out on the BBC about her and a little video and everything else. And it was like, oh, that's really cool. So I just got on Facebook and I just, just texted her. I was like, hey, like, you know, we're doing this kind of stuff. Would you be open to making some stuff for our company? And she responds to me like 12 hours later. Yeah, I'd love to. And she, uh, she went and she spoke about the schools that she runs for girls. And, you know, this goes back to my time, you know, there. And she's got this great line about it. It says like, if you educate a woman, you educate a family. And an educated family, like, is harder to radicalize. And that's the whole thing. That's what you see with groups. They will try to limit education in yep. order to dumb down the populace so that way they can control them. If you don't, if you can't read a book, mm, yeah. oh, sorry. or you can't read the information and make an educated decision about what I'm telling you, you just have to do what I tell you because I say that it's true, then you don't know anything different. And so her mentality is, well, if we just educate the women, then we're going to take care of this problem in whole. And like, I think everybody should pr- pretty much agree with her, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not hard. You hard just, to argue with that. <laughs> and educating kids is not very expensive. And so she... You know, she guerrillaed it like like we did, and she runs 13 schools in northern Afghanistan, educating 3,000 people a year. Um, they, she actually educates boys, too, and she educates, you know, women who weren't able to get an education under the Taliban. So basically, the women in the country from 1980 to 2001, so you have a 21-year gap there, they couldn't get really educated because either they were under conflict or, you know, they were not allowed to go to school. And so she teaches women of all ages, and then gives them employable job skills and she's get them jobs. And so she started a textile factory and we're like, Hey, can you make us some sarongs? Right. And you know, at the time we didn't really know any better. And again, we're like this very optimistic young flip flop company. And here we are like trying to promote peace through manufacturing and you know, sex sells, but we're, we're not going to do that. We'll do sexy, but we're not going to do sex. So we can put like a really good looking girl in a bikini on a beach and some flip flops, but you know, make it tasteful, put a sarong on her. Like, and uh, so they made these beautiful samples for us. And we're like, yeah, that's great. And then, you know, the tactical industry is has taken a lot from special operations over the years. And if you've served over there, you know, the utility of a Shema, like they have huge dust storms. It's hot in the summer, cold in the winter. And that piece that you're wearing, Nick, is like, year round, right? Yeah. You can use it all year round. And we're like, hey, can you make us some of those? And they did. And next thing you know, they took off. So we started making textiles in Afghanistan and going back to non-horizontal manufacturing that's very vertical you know they can actually make textiles and they can loom textiles and they can manufacture textiles there so we only have to ship them once from afghanistan to america so that started uh, we started found another company from some designer woman who was in new york city and she got arguing about the different colors of black and so she popped off to laos and she was just over there you know helping a demining group and she saw these guys who were melting down the scrap left over from unexploded ordnance so the 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 U.S. dropped 250 million-ish landmines or cluster munitions over Laos during the Vietnam War to lock down the Ho Chi Minh Trail. And now that's the most heavily polluted country on the planet for unexploded ordnance. Over half the victims are kids, and so it's a huge issue, um, and we needed to solve it. And so the way that you take care of a landmine is, one, you find it, and they use all these different techniques to find them. And then there's no sense in really digging it up. It's not like some guy like disarming something like you see on the movies. They just strap another explosive to it. And then they blow it up. That's how you take care of it. But then there's this, all this aluminum just laying around. And so these guys were taking it and they were making spoons. And she's like, well, if we can make something more sustainable out of this that raises more money to clear more landmines. 
so she started making jewelry with these guys and um we said hey can you make us a you know a, like just a low dollar line of product and so we started our peacemaker jewelry line of unexploded ordnance uh, so we make the you know bracelets for guys and for girls and some necklaces and a c- couple other cool pieces we make christmas ornaments like we only make a couple hundred of them a year so if you guys want a badass christmas ornament like come to combatflipflops.com um your stuff sells pretty cool story too yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we've been very fortunate. You know, people dig the product. It's a quality product. You know, as you can tell, the Wookiee is very anal retentive. Um, <laughs> I get totally. an- I get anal from him. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. 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 No, you don't. No, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See how he slipped that in there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he tried to. He's been waiting all night to say that and like get it on tape. Minutes. Yes. Minutes. <laughs> you can't focus for more than 90 seconds. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you, just, you bring out the Dude, best You invited in me. me, bro. Yeah. I don't know what else to say. Like, that's Our listeners will be entertained. They'll yes. probably get a call from my mom, but they'll be entertained. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, the timing of starting our company was just kind of interesting because that was a, you know, right around the time that legalized weed in Washington state. And so every angel investor, venture capital company was just dumping money in that. So here we say, Hey, you want to invest in a company making flip-flops in Afghanistan or dope, the biggest cash crop. They're like, yeah, you're high. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's not what, that's not the point. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so, you know, we, we just had a really hard time. Like, uh, you know, we had two awesome angel investors who came in helped us right when we needed it. And then we found another group, TA group holdings, John Circuit. He's another big car guy around here. Um, you know, they invested in us and they kept us going, skipping on down the line. And then to go to another automotive guy, uh, this was early 2015, I think it was. Uh, I went down, I was talking to Activision, the Call of Duty guys about making some products for them. And uh, our PR lady said, hey, you got to meet this guy, Wes Seiler. He used to be the automotive editor for Jalopnik. He used to be a motorcycle editor for Playboy. You know, you should talk to him. He works for this, you know, blog now called Gizmodo and like I don't I don't know <laughs> just those guys that'll yeah, never just, take off just yeah. those guys yeah. right and yeah. so I literally walk out of uh, um, Activision. Activision I walk across the street there's a crappy like bar right across the street and up rolls this like super dapper like 6263 guy motorcycle jacket cool hair riding some cool motorcycle and he saunters up. He's like, you Griff? I'm like, yeah, you Wes? And he's like, yeah. So he, like literally we saddle up That's to the bar. That's what they do, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when, they, when they're yeah. around each other. It's Phenomena. Yeah. And, they, and they comment on each other's hair. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> yeah, he's actually one of my best friends now. It's funny because yeah. it's true. It really yeah. is. <laughs> like, it's, it's so, like, Good he, hair brings people together. Yeah. He, he, just, he saddle up to the bar. He buys a beer. And he says, you mind if I record this? And he sets his phone down. And so I tell him the abbreviated story, which we just told you guys. He, like, slams his beer, and he's like, all right, guys, I got to go catch a jet to go party in Vegas with Billy Idol. And, like, funny I mean, dropping he, names, I mean. Right, yeah. and then he just, like, rallies off on his cool guy motorcycle. <laughs> and, like, that's, and that was, like, a Saturday afternoon, right? Griff's sitting there going, best date ever. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he calls me tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> well, it's, at some point in your article, I did, I... <laughs> Is there a ticket at will call for me and Billy exactly. Idol? Is that what's going to happen? <laughs> I want to meet Billy Idol. Yeah. I really want to meet Billy Idol. So, so, Lee, you have to imagine him. In every meeting like that we take him to, about five minutes in, his ADD kicks in, and he just sits sitting there on his cell phone and watching 
baseball stats. What are right? you looking at me for? Nothing. nothing. Yeah. Go ahead. And so, like, <laughs> he's totally ignoring Wes, and I'm just sitting there. And at some point in the in the interview, I just lean over. I was like, Wes, you don't know this yet, but we're going to be friends. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, he got kind of scared, right? <laughs> <You know? laughs> we're going to be the best of friends. Also, could you trim those bushes in the front of your house? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the following Tuesday afternoon, I'm sitting there and I'm trying to like adjust inventory on the website and like, it's not working. Like what the hell's going on? And my phone's going off that we're making sales. I'm like, dude, what is happening? And I'm calling all that fix the website, man. What the hell's wrong with you? He's like, I don't know what's going on, but sales are happening. And turns out our PR lady like texts me five minutes later. Hey, did you see that article on Gizmodo? And like, 160,000 people read it. They went to our website, bought everything out that we had. Our website was crashing on and off for days. And I'm like, oh, crap, like, we're actually selling stuff. This is Oops. pretty yeah. cool, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they fell for it. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Grim's like, my new best friend did that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's me, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that was February-ish, 2015. And... Um, you know, we're just trying to figure out what to do. Like, we're bouncing off the bottom of the bank accounts all the time. Like, we're still fulfilling out of my garage. Oh, you were and still building in your garage? No, we, we converted the production facility to, like, a box storage shed. And we would, like, surf through boxes and ship products as people would order them. Like, oh, but that was, oh, that was yeah. the fulfillment center. Fulfillment Got center. it. Okay, turn to the fulfillment center. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was, that was basically my home. And then um, Griff was still working out of it. But, like, we were, yeah, it was, we were just... We are just in this mode of, like, do whatever we need to do to keep doing whatever we need to do. And you yeah. guys still had your day jobs at this time, too. Correct. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it was, like, mid-April, early April, so about a month and a half after the Gizmodo article came out, I get this crazy call from Culver City, California, like, 10, 30, 11 at night, and I'm just like, no, I'm not going to answer that. Like, I don't I don't like California. No. <laughs> and then it leaves a, a voice message. And I'm like, who the hell leaves a voice message? And I'm like, all right, cool. I answer. And he's like, hey, my name is Max Swedlow. I'm a producer for TBC, uh, sorry, ABC Shark Tank. I read about you on Gizmodo. Like, you guys run a cool business. We'd like to have you on. And I'm like, oh, whatever, right? And I call the guy back, and he answers. I'm like, ah, you know, Shark Tank's like American Idol. You guys are just beating up on entrepreneurs for entertainment purposes, blah, blah, blah. I don't know if we're going to do it. And so... He's like, all right, man, I'm going to send you the application anyway. You know, just, just, just send it, please. So the next morning, we have our morning stand-up call, and I tell Lee, the producer from Shark Tank, called us, and I told him no, and he's like, are you fucking high? <laughs> <laughs> you, you call him back right now. <laughs> Again, yes, but what's that have to do with it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so that night, you know, I just went and got uh, another sponsor break. I got some Rainier beer, and I sat down, and I got a 12-pack, and I probably worked my way three-quarters of the way through it, and I decided to open up the, uh, the application, and you could tell you know, 55,000 to 65,000 companies apply per year and it's a seven or eight page application and there's, you know, seven or eight lines per, you know, question on there about your business and I might have made it to the end of line two on one of them. <laughs> it was a very direct answer questions, right? And like, I probably polished off the 12 pack and the hit send. <laughs> I didn't even proofread, right? I didn't <laughs> care, like whatever. What do you make? Flip flops. Next question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just actually answered, you called me, fucker. Yeah. yeah. Every- <laughs> <laughs> you already did your homework. Copy, paste, copy. Sorry, paste. we weren't supposed to tell him that. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so the next morning, Max calls me back and says, dude, this is the best application we've ever seen. Hey, I need you guys to put together a, you know, a four or five minute reel, do all this. Let's stretch that. I'll just do it. 
And so, like, okay. they put together our demo reel. They put it through pre-production. And then, like, the next, you know, two months, and we're in solid selling season. We pretty much drop everything that we're doing, and we started training for Shark Tank. How do you train for Shark Tank? You watch every episode. Okay. <laughs> right? You, you, you profile the sharks, like, what to do, what not to do, like, what your display got to look like. And you have these pre-production calls every Tuesday with the associate producers. And basically, like, you got to sell them. Because they're your, your gatekeepers. Because they whittle down to a couple hundred companies and then... There's been some stupid shit on there that gets passed. I mean... Well, entertainment yeah. value, though. Entertainment yeah, value. You watch true. it because it's stupid. That's it's true. like American Idol. Yeah. You know, those guys are awful. you got to think it. those people that get on there have been like, oh, they totally pulled us on South Tank because we're going to be huge. <laughs> yeah. And they're going, nope, nope, you're the best. Well, like you were saying earlier. But anyway, so you, yeah, guys, yeah. you made it. Yeah, so you know, we do it and like we do all our production runs and, you know... We get down to the show. Um, they put you in a hotel with all the other Shark Tank people, and you can tell people are freaking out, and they're like, hey, we're not going to get shot, man. This is going to be fun. Let's, let's have a good time. <laughs> this, this is like, the safest job I've ever is, had. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so you know, we're, we're doing our thing, hanging out by the pool. Like, I'm doing my thing. Look over spreadsheets, numbers, and questions, and Lee's just on his phone surfing baseball the whole time, right? And all we had to do, all he, he had like three lines that he had to remember. Like, that's all he had to do. And, <laughs> Hello, uh, sharks. <laughs> <laughs> And now, you know, we went down there and it was uh, a really good time. You know, they, our episode was like 10 minutes long or whatever, but I mean, we were in the studio for an hour 45 and we got Mark Cuban, Damon John and Lori Grenier, uh, which was cool. And we thought we were going to be on a Veterans Day episode. So, you know, we spend that summer, you know, going through the, what's it called when they stick something up your butt and they do the inspection? <laughs> with, with helium? What are you looking at me for? Yeah, we're all we? looking at Nick yeah, right exactly. now. Yeah. <laughs> colonoscopy. Colonoscopy, right? Yeah, so they're doing the colonoscopy for business, right? Yeah. You imagine like three business guys who have no experience in business, and we're here, we all got day jobs, and we're trying to start a flip-flop company in Afghanistan, and like, you know, here you got Cuban's team, like looking at everything you're doing, asking tons of questions. I would not. I'd rather hammer my own nuts flat than do that again. So you, you, I don't. I haven't ever really watched the show because they, they offer you so much, right, for so yeah. much of the company. Yeah. Do you have to accept on the spot? No. Oh, okay. Yeah, you have to go through due diligence. And so there's a uh, lot of people get on air and they lie and everything else, but then they, gotcha. they, they inspect everything before they actually give you money. Okay. Um, and so we thought we were going to be on the Veterans Day episode, right? It's one of the biggest episodes of the year. She comes out right on the first week of November. So we prepped for that. And then November came and November went. Yeah. So they give you two weeks notice. Mm-hmm. Like that's, you don't know. Yeah. Even if you shoot and you actually make it <laughs> to the studio, you don't know if it's actually going to air because they shoot more. Yeah. Than they need. They whittle down to the best. And it literally comes down to like 14 days before you air. It's like, congratulations, blah, blah, blah. Now you can talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And that's really it. So we're expecting this Veterans Day thing, and it's getting to be the last week of October. And it's like, oh, wah, wah. Like, okay. Like, this isn't happening. Yeah. And so meanwhile, we're trying to... um we're trying to play the whole football game. Like we want to get into stores and all that other stuff. We're trying to get into retail. So all of our pricing was kind of inflated, like, you know, cause you have to have keystone pricing. So yeah. we manufacture in small runs, which is really expensive. So then what our cost is, you got to double it and then double it again. So that way the retailers have enough margin to sell a product. And, um, our, our product was priced kind of high. I think we were like 69 bucks for a set of AKs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, we just weren't selling online and we weren't selling to retailers. Nobody was buying our stuff. So we're like, all right, screw it. Let's just go all online. And then we dropped our price to what made sense. And next thing you know, our volume tripled. We're like, oh, crap, we got a business. Yeah. Right. And then it was holiday time. So all of our products sold out. And so now we're in January and we narrowly, narrowly missed going bankrupt, like through the holiday season. 
all of our inventory would have sat like on like this portion of the table. And I'm in Las Vegas at SHOT Show. I'm doing a fundraiser for uh, a, a veteran nonprofit that I supported. And I got a call on my phone. It says, hey, you're going to be on Shark Tank in two weeks. I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> so the next thing I did, I called my buddy John. I'm like, John. And John Sirkew and the TA Group Holdings. I'm like, John, I need 50000 right now. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, we're going to be on Shark Tank in two weeks. We need to get production rolling. We need it right now. Yesterday. He's like, no, yeah. no, no, no. I'll, I'll look it over. He's like, no, you're not getting off the phone until you tell your assistant. <laughs> Write me a check. And yeah. wire yeah. this money over. Like, we need the cash immediately. Yeah. Um, and two weeks later, you know, we were in Bellevue at the TA Group head- headquarters. We had our boardroom set up. It was about like this table all lined with laptops. Lee goes and spills a beer because he's running the, uh, right into the center of his MacBook Pro. Oh. And he's running our website and all of our marketing and everything else. And Andy's running production and I'm running social and all this. Other, and he's, it's just chaos. And um, it, it went off, man. As, as soon as we saw the East Coast airings, like we made more money and we made more sales in 36 hours than we did in our entire company history. We aired in February 6th or 7th and we backordered to the end of May at full production. Right. It was just crazy. So, and, and Dan brought it up earlier. I want to talk about what the, the money's not just going into you buying nice things and yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's yeah. talk more about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, we're, just, we're still, you know, entrepreneurs like this. This isn't. Besides the hair yeah, gel. Yeah, I understand. Hair, yeah, 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 exactly. yeah. I mean, you got to keep up with your best friend. It's but. a pomade. It's a pom- Oh, I'm sorry. It's a pomade. Okay. Pomade, yeah. Yeah. Right? Exactly. <laughs> um, and so going back to, to Hasina Shirjan, we're like, hey, look, for every product that we sell, we're going to donate to put a girl in school in Afghanistan for a day. Right. And like Tom says, buy one, give one, give a set of shoes. Like, Hey, we're going to put a girl in school for a day. And like, let's just do that. And you know, that year we put nearly 200 girls in school through shark tank, which was super rad. Right. And, um, you can imagine like we still, I was still working in this garage on my laptops. I like shark tank came, I was answering hundreds of emails a day and all the emails come in and all of a sudden one came in from Messina. It just says, thank you. Right. And it's, uh, the graduation photo and it's all these little girls holding up this sign says, thank you. Combat flip flops. You're like, start tearing up. Like I've like tear up, like thinking about, I was like, Hey, come over here. And everybody's standing in the garage and we're trying to figure out what to do. Everybody's crying, <laughs> you know, it's just cool. You know? And like that couple months was just crazy. Like an entire truck would back up to our shop and Andy would unpack all the boxes, inventory, everything in. We had print tickets just forever. And we'd stand there at the end of the day and there were these huge bins just full of stuff. And like, hey, that's five years of school for Afghan girl. Like, super cool cool. feeling. Yeah, it was super fun. Um, Yeah, it's been a hell of a ride since. Like, that was 2016. Yeah, Shark Tank was 16. And then, you know, the post ride, there's, I mean, we could just keep going and going and going. This thing's been, how fast can you run into a steel pole and concrete? With a smile on your face, <laughs> over and over and over. I think and they need to redefine your job and what yeah. you're doing. Um, <laughs> seriously, it's it, it. You can do anything, right? How should I put this? It has nothing to do with being right. It has everything to do with knowing why you think you might be right. Okay. So, as long as you know why, you'll keep going. Like, you will just literally keep going. And if it's just about the money or just about ego or just about recognition or just about some pissing match or dick measuring contest or whatever the F you want to call it, that will fail eventually. 
if you do it because you just love it or because you love them or you love what they will do with what you can help them with, whatever it may be, but once it goes beyond you and it's truly balls to bones heart level, then like I dare you to get in my fucking way. Like just flat dare you. Because I know I'm more patient, stubborn, and pissed off about getting what I want to get done than you are about stopping me. Well, and and, and that's really where we're at. Like, and and it sounds aggro, but it's like if you love something that much, that's not being aggressive or mean or violent, right? Like, that's just passion can be terrifying to people that don't have it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't understand it. I don't know how to deal with it. Right? Yeah. Like, when you're faced with somebody who's passionate about something, it can be incredibly intimidating or incredibly magnetic mm-hmm. if you want to be a part of it. And when you put together a brand that has that kind of passion or that kind of drive, that actually becomes a really magnetic thing. And to crystallize that, communicate it well, and push it back out into the world and walk what you talk um, on the long play, that's really what we're about. Is like, come talk to me in 20 years. Yeah. When the kids that went to school now, when these girls are 10 and they're 30 and they've got three kids that can read and there's hundreds of thousands of them, like, that's what I want to see. Well, education is what ends wars. Right. And, you know, you had put it to us the first time we met in the fact that you had gone over there and you'd seen the the destruction of this country and, and and the world. And what you guys have put back into it is tenfold. You know, and that's the important thing. And that's what puts a smile on your face. It's not about the money. It's not about the fame. You know, it might be about the hair pomade. I'm not going to yeah, lie. Yeah. I mean, which yeah, I understand. Yeah. I get that. You haven't said anything friends. about the mustache yeah. in, in, in yeah, development. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. yeah, well, <laughs> in development. Yeah, exactly. It's all He's about not intimidated by the mustache. Just no, the absolutely not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll be talking later. I need, I need, it's a good pomade. <laughs> Yeah, this is a, a great break point, um, not to break for the show, but uh, coming up on the 29th, Avance is doing a Habitat for Humanity drive and good stuff behind it. King County needs people to deliver school supplies to families in need. So if you're an Avance member, uh, that'll be the day after this airs, 9 to 10. Go to Avance.com, check it out. You can do some good right now. We threw Avance, and then, of course, we talked about it. Taste of, Mor- Taste of Motorsports coming up on the 30th. For our Portland listeners, track day is coming up on September 5th, and then uh, we'll get to the rest later. Yeah. Uh, so that's your Avance stuff for this week. But, um, man, there's lots of easy ways to get a hold of you guys. I highly recommend all of our listeners check out the book or the audio book if that's what you're into. It's uh, free on the website right now. It's yeah. a COVID gift. Yeah, COVID gift. Uh, Steps Ascending, Rise of the Unarmed Forces. That's uh, by Griff and Leo, who's not here. Leo Jenkins, uh, the third partner who's not here today. Uh, I've been listening to it. Fantastic. Um, about halfway through it right now, actually. So. Yeah. Really good stuff. Um, I told you, as soon as I learn to read, I'm on it. If you, if we have an audio book. <laughs> yeah, they have an audio book. As soon as I learn to listen, <laughs> there's so much truth to that, too. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Interpretive dance? No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got you. I'd like to see that. I'm a good dancer. Dance. <laughs> yes. Okay. It's a really great book. You guys should check it out. And then, of course, Combat Flip Flops. Uh, check out the products. Uh, I was a buyer before I got them on the show. So uh, thanks, Sam Work. Uh, friend of iron and he's the he's how i found out about you guys uh, originally thanks to maria or Issaquah coffee co who put me in touch with you guys so get some coffee from her yes good coffee yeah all good people yes, yes. so anyway uh that we could go on for this forever but we are far over our normal show time so. I, th- I think people will enjoy it i so, hope so yeah, i so. think they will too uh thank you guys for coming in oh you're um, welcome you know. anything else we want to close with before you guys go and talk about no we've got a shirt and just says it go be a better human yep i'm wearing it Attaboy. <laughs> We're trying to make him a better human. 
It's too late for me. One day at a time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, for this episode of Rain City Supercars, I'm Nick. I'm Dan. And don't just get there. Enjoy the drive.